Well, what a delightful morning. And I am truly glad to be here. I trust that John trusts me with you all. <laughs> so I made sure that I checked the weather reports and there will be no lightning before <laughs> service is over. <laughs> I'm Reverend Denise Junius, and my home church is Resurrection MCC over in the Heights. And I serve with your pastor on the Faith Leaders Coalition, so we are very familiar with each other. We often have uh, breakfast, and he likes to have breakfast at 7.30 on Friday mornings. <laughs> and so I believe when he returns, uh, maybe in about a week or so, we'll be meeting again early, 7.30, <laughs> Friday mornings. Today's sermon title is A Future We Have Yet to Create. Pray with me. God, thank you for this moment to be with your people. I pray, O oh Lord, that the words that come out of my mouth are inspired by you, O oh Lord. Bless these words and bless those who will hear it. Our scripture for today is in Matthew chapter 9. And throughout the gospel story, we know that Jesus breaks bread with many people, people from all over Judea, Galilee, and all walks of life. These are diverse people. And they come together to hear the word of God. And we can deduct from just the simple nature of coming together to break bread and hearing the word of God that these are important aspects of building community with each other and also communing with God. Matthew's overarching message is one of love and action. And in chapter 9, there are a number of acts of faith and miraculous healing that takes place and acts of Jesus showing compassion on those who demonstrate their faith. We hear over and over Jesus saying to individuals who are working with him, he says, bring them to me. Bring me your sick, the hungry, and the children. And people are compelled to seek Jesus out because of their faith and because they have the faith that Jesus is going to respond with that love and with that compassion. And so chapter 9, where, where we are looking at verses 1 through 8, is the story of Jesus healing a paralytic man. And this particular story is not only observed in this chapter 9 of Matthew, but we also find this same story in Luke, and we also find the story 
and mark. And so what that tells us is to hear the full story, we actually have to go beyond just Matthew. So I'm going to talk about some other aspects of this story that if you just simply read 1 through 8, we don't hear the full story. Isn't our lives much like that? You know, where people tend to think they, they know us for a while and they know our full story. And we know that's just not the case. So I'll fill in a few blanks. Well, first, where this story takes place is Capernaum. And this is considered Jesus' hometown because he's left Nazareth and, we, you know, we all move out to the suburbs and stuff like that. <laughs> Some of us come back in. Uh, people from all over hear that Jesus is coming, and so they come and they gather in very large crowds to where Jesus is teaching and where this particular healing takes place. And then we know that this person is brought in by some friends. At least that's what Matthew tells us. But looking at some of the other Gospels, we find that there are actually four friends who are faithful and they are determined and they are courageous in the way in which they carry this differently able person on a mat and ensure that they find their way initially through the ordinary path. And yet when they arrive, that path of entry is blocked because there are so many people trying to get to Jesus that they have to look at unconventional ways to finish the job to ensure that their friend gets the love and care that they hope for. And so what do they do? You see on the top of your bulletin a beautiful picture. They go upstairs. They literally go up to the roof and they dig a hole and then they lower him on this mat The ceiling is not going to cave in during this sermon, I promise you. (laughs) But can you imagine that happening in that moment? And they place him, they lower him on the mat, and surely this gets Jesus' attention. And they place him at Jesus' feet. And Jesus then sees their courage. And he responds as we would expect him to with compassion. And he says to him, son, your sins are forgiven. And those who are witnesses to this says, what is going on? Who who is this that forgives? Isn't it? God who offers forgiveness. And so they question Jesus' authority. And so Jesus, upon hearing what they say, Jesus says, well, 
Is it better for me to just say, your friends are forgiven, or take up your mat and go home? So get up and walk. He then turns to the young man and says, just get up and walk. So many times when sermons are discussed about this particular chapter, the focus is on the questioning of Jesus' authority or the focus is on the compassion that Jesus showed. But what I want us to focus on today is the acts of those friends. The determination and the courage of those friends. And so here we have four friends who demonstrate what we would say an innovative solution. They're courageous and they're creative and persistent. And we can even go so far as to say they have no fear and they are determined. Unable to get to Jesus in an ordinary way, they figure out, they find a way so that their friend can be in the presence of Jesus. And Luke reminds us, through our faith, nothing is impossible with God. So Jesus shows the compassion. He forgave the young person's sins and restored him to full health. And so perhaps there are some questions as we explore this story that may come up for us. And so let's look at it in more depth. And we may ask ourselves, what was it that kept the friends from pushing their way to the front? I mean, we see that happening all the time where people just push their way through. Okay. In what way did access to power, privilege, or even knowledge play a role in who got in to see Jesus and who was left out? And why were the religious leaders questioning Jesus' authority anyway? Remember, Jesus responds, it's easier, is it easy to say your sins are forgiven or get up and walk? So we know in those days, people believed that sin was the cause of their sickness and that the only way, only God had the power to forgive sins. This is a principal tenet of their faith. And now this is in question when Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. So who is this Jesus, they wonder, and where does his authority come from? If you were in that space, how might you react if a belief that you hold true about God and in life is in question? And through Matthew, many who witness the miracles of Jesus watch in awe and are amazed and their faith is strengthened and many are compelled to follow Jesus. I think many of us can relate to that. And yet some people choose to hold on to their outdated assumptions and beliefs about God and the depth 
of God's love for all people. Matthew doesn't tell us much about the paralyzed man. So we have to imagine what life may have been like for him living with his paralysis and how his paralysis may have impacted his decision-making or impacted his physical mobility or his mental health and challenges to keep strong in his faith for a hopeful healing. And I wonder if this man believed that it was sin that caused his illness and that only God could heal him. I wonder what crossed his mind when they were making the trip to see Jesus and he realizes that the entry is blocked. Imagine the frustration and the possible disappointments that he may have felt. And the story suggests that even within his disappointments, he trusted that there would be people, particularly those four friends, who would do everything they could to make sure that he saw Jesus on that day. And so he allowed himself to be carried up. Imagine the anxiety if he falls off. So this required a lot of trust. And so have you ever found yourself at times so physically and mentally worn down that you needed someone to carry you to the feet of Jesus and help didn't show up for you? How often have you found yourself struggling to make sense of the world around you and all the uncertainty that we have today and how do we respond to the chaos that we see many days you feel may feel stunned or in disbelief and somewhat paralyzed emotionally simply not able to find a constructive way to respond to what you may see and what you may hear do you ever wonder who we are becoming as a nation as a people of faith as members of one human family. You know, just a few days ago, very tragic incident with in Missouri. You may have read the story about the boat that capsized and one family was impacted where nine members of that one family died. And the mother who survived lost her husband and three children. Each time you turn on the news, we hear stories about senseless accidents or deaths or people suffering due to inequalities in health care, education, and employment. We talk about deportation, and still there are hundreds of kids who haven't yet been reconnected with their families. And all this negative news can take a toll on us, especially those of us who have a passion for people and has the potential to hinder a timely response that we may need in order to assist those who are closest to us 
And so in this struggle, we may be tempted to turn our attention away from community just to focus only on tending to our own, need, our own needs and our own self-care and perhaps our own family's needs just to survive. And we wonder, have you wondered? Uh, will things ever get better? Have you wondered that? Yeah, issues of systemic injustices, poverty and oppression have been allowed to continue for centuries and it seems as though we are locked into living out our future as though we are still in the past. We hold on to memories and allow resentment to settle in our hearts and we don't allow ourselves to let go of the past because perhaps that feels too risky or too painful. And so we begin to sort of build up these walls to protect ourselves from our past hurts. And so much is happening in our world that many people are suffering from depression, debilitating illnesses just to get through the day. So for us, perhaps it's time for us to challenge our beliefs and challenge our assumptions about our neighbors so that we can begin to forgive the way Jesus forgave. Benita Siras Vastava believes that we are caught between the past that formed us and a future we have yet to create. We are caught between the past that formed us and a future we have yet to create. Our beliefs, assumptions, need to be reevaluated so that every person has an opportunity to hear God and to know God's unfailing love. For we know that God ex- loves us and accepts us all just the way we are. So in what ways are we striving to be more like Jesus? It's easy to say those words, but I really want you to think about it. In what ways are we really striving in these days to be more like Jesus? I remember when I was in high school, my senior year, two months before I graduated, I was jogging home, and I lived about three miles from school, so it was going to be a long jog. And as I was jogging down this sort of road that didn't have uh, many houses, very few houses, sort of like a dirt, it wasn't a dirt road, just lightly paved road, but it, there were a lot of twists and turns. And as I started jogging down that particular street, I could hear a car coming behind me rather fast. And so I remember taking a look back and I could see the car. And so I kind of got over a little bit more to make sure that I was safe and continued to jog. And then lo and behold, as the car approached, I could see it coming toward me, and as I'm jogging, I jumped in the air, and while I was in the air, the car hit me, and I flew so many feet. And when I hit the ground, I immediately thought that whoever was driving that car was intentionally trying to hit me. And so I tried to run, but I couldn't get up, because in that moment, I was momentarily paralyzed. 
And so the car stopped, and then a tall man got out of the car. And you can imagine my thoughts at that moment. It was terrifying. It was horrifying. And I was very afraid, and yet I could not move. And so as he approached, he came up to me, and he asked me if I was okay. And I said, I'm not sure. I, I can't move. He said, let me help you. And at that moment, I had to make a decision. Will I trust him after he's just caused me harm? And I trusted him, and so he lifted me up, and he says, let me take you to the hospital. Is, is there someone you can call to let them know what happened? And so I, we called my mother, and she told him where to take me, and she, he took me straight to the hospital. She met us there. And fortunately, that over a few months, you know, I was able to walk again um, and didn't have any broken bones. But the point of that is the trust that I had to have in spite of what was obviously, you know, just happened. It didn't appear to me to be an accident. And so our call to action is to ask ourselves, is it possible for us to set aside our differences and our beliefs about each other to ensure that we all have equal access to the pursuit of happiness. Don Miguel Ruiz, some of you may be familiar with his work, says the biggest assumptions that humans make is that everyone sees life the way we do. We assume that everyone thinks the way we think, feel the way we feel, judge the way we judge, abuse the way we abuse. We're afraid to be ourselves around others because we think others will judge us, victimize us, abuse us, and blame us as we do ourselves. So imagine being those friends on the roof, again, with a clear view of what's happening on the inside where Jesus is teaching. And as they're on the roof, imagine that they are seeing all of the people around and they're seeing all the people who are hurting. They're seeing all the needs and yet they are determined through their faith to maintain their hope and their love for human beings. So what does our future look like when we say we're here now, we're safe, and we are free. And like the man on the mat, we made it to Jesus. I would say that our today's challenges require us to do and act with love and action. And although we're all justice seekers and already support the needs of people in this community, today's time calls for us to do more. It requires us to take time to get to know our neighbors and peoples from all walks of life, to use our imagination and our creativity so that we can move past the struggles of our past histories and find a way. I loved it when I worked at a local hospital and one of their values was no matter what happens, we find a way to resolve the issue. And that's what I think is required of us 
to not give up hope, to find a way. As a people of faith, we have the potential to co-create with God, to create the stories where we refuse to be paralyzed in our thinking and our acting, and we are reminded that the only limits we place are the limits that we place on ourselves. Is our faith strong enough to push past the struggles of our time and allow God to use each one of us to bring about the change that's needed? And can we trust that we all, that all of the future generations will continue to intercede on behalf of those that are in need? Now, lastly, imagine for just a moment if we make it our priority to live out our faith in such a way that we help our neighbors at all times, whether we're responding to a crisis or simply just paying attention every day. Because when things seem okay, there are people who are reluctant to ask for help. Can we continue to pray for one another's healing and persistence so that we can avoid being complacent and complicit and pray for those who are perhaps even have silent needs and recognize that we are stronger and more resilient when we work together to resist the forces that keep us locked into our past histories. This sacred story in Matthew suggests that as a people of faith, we have a responsibility to co-create our future together, a future we have yet to create. It is time for us to imagine a better future together. Amen.